My dad died. I miss my friends because of... I don't know how to tell my friends that. I want to help my friends. I don't know how. The pandemic has left me feeling very lonely. How can I best support students in my classroom? The morning meeting is meant to be a place to let you know that you are not alone. We can get through this together. So join us. Listen, learn, share your stories. This is the morning meeting. Hello and welcome to the morning meeting. I'm your host, Mandy Zucker. Although today I'm not going to be the host, I am turning over the mic to Shilpa P, who has so graciously offered to actually host the podcast and interview me. So many people have asked me to explain more about Inner Harbor and what we're doing, and Shilpa offered to interview me so I can tell you a little bit more about all of the services that we offer and why I got started in this work. So I hope you enjoy this interview. So Shilpa, thank you so much for coming on the Morning Meeting podcast. I'm really excited to have you here today. Mandy, I'm I'm thrilled to be able to talk to you about a topic that's very close to my heart, having had experience of personal suicide of uh, my my little brother. um, And I, I totally adore and appreciate the work that you do for people. Thank you. I thought it was really a very generous offer of yours to interview me uh, for this show today. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself and um, I'm going to let you kind of kick it off. Okay, that's fantastic. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm Shilpa, Shilpa Punchmartia, often known as Shilpa P. I'm a serial entrepreneur with lots of successes under my belt in many different sectors, but similarly, lots of failures. And it's the failures that were the most challenging for me because as a society, we don't expect to fail and failure isn't looked upon very well. But it it taught me a lot in life and I currently work as a business growth coach and I support um, business owners who want to grow their businesses um, and scale and teach them all the wonderful things about scaling the business, including well-being and how important well-being is so that you don't do what I did, which is after many years of globetrotting, running businesses, I, I completely, absolutely burnt out. So that's a little bit about me. And um, I, I want to just kick off by congratulating you on on, on Inner Harbor mm-hmm. and the, the, the wonderful work that you do. And I, I think it's a great opportunity for me to speak with you to let people be really aware of who you are, um, what you do um, in, in an interview style format so that the sorts of questions that people would probably ask you, um, I can pose and they can hear it and, and, and learn about it through here. So, so let me kick off straight away, uh, Mandy. Tell me, um, what exactly is Inner Harbour? <laughs> So Inner Harbor is an organization dedicated to supporting students after a loss, specifically after a death loss, but it's not just a death loss. What I noticed was that when kids go off to college, frequently the losses that they've experienced as children resurface. And not only are there not as many supports typically available on a college campus, but 
students often don't even know what they are and they don't have, you know, the close friends that they had at home and um, they don't know how to find all of the resources that are there. So that's what we do. We educate students and staff about how to support other people who are grieving on a college campus. Yeah, I, I was just going to go a little bit more into grief. Yeah. And many people don't understand how hard grief can be and why we need support around it. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because, you know, grief happens to every single one of us. It is an absolute human experience. Um, we will all experience it. And yet it's so scary when it happens, um, not just to the person, but to the people around them, because they often don't feel like they know how to support them, which is interesting considering they've probably gone through something like that too. Um, and they probably know what they needed, but, um, but we don't always give the right kinds of support to people. So um, it's really important. And the reality is, you know, I'm a therapist. It's not that I have, I have nothing wrong with therapists. Um, people can go to therapy and get support, but with grief, it's just a normal, natural response. We can all be the support that other people need when they're grieving, if we know how to do it. Yeah, that's so true. So, so you've worked in grief and bereavement for almost 25 years. Yeah. You started uh, working in the hospice, in hospice sector. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I remember you saying that you worked with people from preschool right the way through to the elderly. Yeah. Although today most of your focus is is very much on teens and the young because you feel that's the sector that that needs it the most. Yeah. Well, what happened was, um, I mean, I uh, I could talk all about how I got into the field, but I had been working in bereavement and was really, you know, loving my job, and I thought I would be there forever. And um, about a year and a half ago, my son. My oldest son left for college, as did most of his friends, one of whom left. And a few days after he left, ended up taking his own life. And this was a kid whose father had died when he was a teenager. And obviously, we'll never know, you know, suicide is very complicated. We'll never know all of the, you know, the factors that went into that uh, death. But um, it got me to think about how it's possible that he got to school and was overwhelmed by some resurfacing feelings of grief and didn't have the supports available, didn't know what resources were available on his campus, um, didn't know how to tell his roommate, you know, uh, when he said, you know, where's your dad? How come your mom dropped you off? You know, he may have never had to explain that before because everybody in his hometown knew. So, it got me to really thinking about how at such a vulnerable age when kids are leaving home often for the first time and leaving friends and support systems that they had, that uh, this is a critical time that we really need to make sure that they're getting the right kinds of support. What was that the reason you started the organization? That, that kind of made you, yeah that's, yeah, that's a really great story. Yeah, I mean, terrible. And um, but I just felt like it's absolutely necessary. I just, you know, it wasn't like a choice I had, like, oh, maybe I should yeah. do something. I just I felt compelled. Uh, this was a very bright light that um, was gone. And I just felt like we have to do something. 
And and how did his friends cope with it? Can you share a little bit about that that incident? Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't um, a friend of his that lived here. So um, his friends were all over and my son wasn't, you know, he, he knew some of them, but not obviously all of them. Um, for my own son, he had been at college for four days. He didn't know anyone. So, oh, you know, gosh. when I was on the phone with him telling him about this, um, he didn't have anybody to turn to. I actually had suggested to him that he go to the counseling center. Um, and again, not because there's anything wrong with grief, but because he literally didn't have anybody that he could talk to yet. Um, and he called the counseling center and there was a three-week waiting list on day four of college. Um, and he's like, I'm not going, you know, and he never went. Um, and that got me to think like, well, we need, he needs to be able to, you know, he was actually in the middle of the gym um, playing basketball with a bunch of kids who he didn't even know anyone's name. Um, but it got me to thinking, like, you need to be able to turn to somebody, you know, wherever you are on a college campus, in your classroom, in your, you know, to your roommate, to the, um, you know, the players on your athletic team, in your, you know, choir group, uh, whoever it is on your campus, you need to be able to turn to them and they need to know how to support you. And that's really a lot of what we do. That's, that's absolutely phenomenal. Um, they're the primary ways that you you talked about supporting grieving people through your organization um anything else that you've missed out on just so that we've got a, a real clear um understanding of the, the many ways in which you support sure yeah so i mean this podcast is another way um i talk all about different topics um related to all different kinds of grief one of the things I haven't done it yet because um, we're in the middle of the pandemic, but um, my goal is actually to offer retreats for grievers. So people that identify as having a significant death loss would be able to come to a retreat. My my vision is that, you know, um, after uh, when you, you know, you pick a college, let's say as a freshman, uh, usually the summer before you leave, you come up to that university for an, an orientation. It's usually like a day or two. Um, my vision would be that these students would be able to stay for an extra couple of days and we would get together. We would offer like a three-day retreat where they can share their stories, get to know one another. So not only are they building in a support system right away because they're getting to know a group of kids who've already been through something really similar. They're sharing their stories with them. We're also teaching them about what resources are available on their campus. So we could literally take a walk around campus and see this is where the chapel is. This is where the gym is. This is where the great tree where people like to journal under. And, you know, my son goes to Ithaca College. So there's beautiful hiking trails and opportunities to be out in nature. And, you know, different schools have different opportunities. So we would teach them about that. But at the same time, we're also teaching them to listen to other people's stories so that when there is another loss on campus, uh, a death loss or otherwise, you know, your roommate um, and his girlfriend break up, um, you are now able to listen to them, to be present to that roommate when they're dealing with a different kind of a loss. So we're seeding the community with lots of people who can then be that support for others. Such an important skill to actively listen, absolutely to be present, to be aware, 
and to teach youth these skills that we're not taught in education and we certainly don't learn from our family of origin mm-hmm. because they're, they're not understood as being really important skills. Um, it, it's, it's, it's fundamental that you're, you're doing this great work. Thank you. I think that the pandemic has actually been, you know, there's a little silver lining there. I feel like there's been a lot more talk about the needs of college students, that their mental health is uh, vulnerable, that they need to make sure that they have support. So I think despite the fact that I think most, I don't know about most, but many universities are really under-resourced as far as support goes, I think they are becoming much more aware of the fact that students need support. So teachers can be that. Teachers can, I've heard of students telling me that their teacher does a little check-in at the beginning of class, even if it's remote, just how is everybody? What's going on with everybody? Five minutes that just lets them know it's okay to talk about these things. It's not taboo. It's not that you have to leave that, you know, at home and come to class and only focus on class. Because teachers, I think, are also realizing that they can't do that. They've got stuff happening at home, too. We're all dealing with this pandemic. So to be able to bring that out into the open and talk about it in a very normal, almost casual way is so important. It's really interesting how it took for a pandemic for us to actually recognize the importance of mental health. Mm-hmm. And I find it very endearing that many um, educational institutions and also corporates are now lacing every single start of a meeting with, well, how are you? Yeah. How really are you? And I notice it's actually even on some people's agendas, number one, mental health check. Mm-hmm. So it's becoming very okay to discuss you might not be okay or you're having some challenges. Yep. And no longer the stigma surrounding, oh, I've always got to be happy. I've always got to be well. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's really good. Yeah. And I think students are demanding that now. You know, it's not, you know, I think like when I went to college, I would have never like suggested something like that or expected that of my teachers. But students are really much more aware now than they ever have been of their own needs and their own mental health. And they are telling us we need to be checked in on. We need to be able to talk about how we're doing. And, you know, I think that's a huge testament to students. That's an awareness that's that's going to take them in good stead in the future. This episode is brought to you by Inner Harbor, providing grief support to students and those that support them. Find us at www.inner-harbor.com. How can organizations or schools find you, Mandy? Yeah, um, I have a website, uh, www.inner-harbor.org. I'm also on social media, on uh, LinkedIn, on Facebook, on uh, Instagram. I haven't yet ventured into some of the other more popular ones. I am on um, Clubhouse, which is an interesting new platform. My handle there is Mandy Z. So I'm learning about those, but that's really how people can reach out. Um, And I encourage you actually to go to the website and sign up for the newsletter. I do send a weekly newsletter um, on Tuesdays. It's 
pretty short. It's just a one little blurb about the this week's podcast and just a little blurb about my thoughts for the week. Hopefully it's something educational or inspiring or just validating and normalizing what people are going through. Is there a cost for your services? There is a cost to, when I do presentations, I do charge for the presentations. Um, although I am very aware of budgets and um, I've always been able to be flexible, thankfully, to this point, if people are struggling with um, with the budget, I'm always happy to work with them on that. That's fantastic. T- tell me a little bit more about the presentations. Uh, these these are indoor presentations. Um, indoor, meaning like in person? Yes, in person. Um, not lately. <laughs> um, okay, I've, of course. <laughs> Online I've, presentations. Yeah, I've, I've traveled the country yeah. um, from my basement at this point. Um, so presentations can be from uh, an hour and a half to uh, I've done them up to four hours at this point. Although, you know, I, I'm I would love to do longer than that. I feel like we can spend, you know, a full day doing uh, mm-hmm. grief work. And we really do focus a lot on uh, normalizing the grief experience at different ages and understanding different developmental stages and how that affects uh, students. Um, and their understanding of grief. We also talk a lot about, it's a very experiential training. We talk a lot about our own grief experiences and how that will impact the way that we treat others. I, I often say that, you know, we treat others the way that we want to be treated, which is not necessarily how they want to be treated. You know, I, I'm, I'm a hugger. I love hugs. When I see somebody in pain, my first instinct is often to hug them. If you're not a hugger, I could be very, uh, you could be very offended by that, right? Um, mm-hmm. So we have to become more aware of what our own needs are when we're grieving so that we can then sort of check ourselves and say, okay, that's my need, not their need. And right now I'm supporting them. So I need to figure out what they need rather than what I need. So we do a lot of that. That's so important. Yeah. And um, could you just run me through the topics you cover in your presentations? Um, yeah, so I, I customize them. So, you know, I don't have a uh, just a one size fits all. And like I said, we cover, you know, most of my presentations are about death loss, but I mm-hmm. did one uh, for parents who've had a child that was diagnosed with a mental illness. I've done presentations for people um, around grief and brain injuries. Um I go into college classrooms and I teach their students. I was, uh, I've gone into like physician assistant classes and social work classes, um, you know, education classes, talk to them about how to support students in their classrooms um, or potential clients who are going through different kinds of losses. So we typically start with some kind of an exercise that helps them to think about some of the losses that they've experienced and how that's shaped them. Were they told the truth? Um, Were they included in funerals and other rituals around that loss? Did they have choices? You know, were they allowed to participate? Were they, you know, sent to their rooms while people were in the house supporting parents or or were they really included in that experience um you know either to the right amount or too much um because all of those things are going to affect the way that we treat other people right i think we've all probably been 
um, in a situation where we've said, I know what they need. They need blank, right? Typically, that's what we need. We say that because we've been in a situation sort of similar to that, and we know what we needed. Um, but grief is as unique and individual as each each one of us are. Mm-hmm. So becoming more aware of those kinds of things, what we needed may not be what other people need is really important. And then we talk more about how can we uh, be the support that someone else needs? How do we learn how to listen? We, I take you through an exercise, um, a couple of different kinds of exercises where you learn how to be a good listener. I always thought I was a good listener uh, mm-hmm. until I learned how to be a really good listener. Um, well, I'm still learning. It's always, it's a practice. I always say it's like uh, yoga. It's definitely a practice. It's not something that I've mastered yet, but I'm always working on. So we do do that. And um, and then we, you know, we, we practice often um, how to, you know, how's that working? How does it feel to be a listener? And then we also talk about our own self-care because supporting someone who's going through a lot of pain and I'll say particularly in the middle of a pandemic when we're all dealing with a lot of grief is really hard. And I always say you have to be emotionally wealthy to start supporting someone who's grieving because they're going to drain you a little bit. It's going to cost you a bit emotionally uh, to be the support to someone else who's going through a lot of pain. And if you're not starting out with a significant amount of emotional wealth, you're going to drain yourself really quickly, right? Um, You will burn out. So you have to make sure that you're getting the right kinds of support. You have to make sure that you've sort of been propped up, right? That you've been given some emotional wealth, meaning that you have someone that you can talk to, that you're doing, you know, things that make you feel good. You're journaling and sleeping and all of the things that, you know, you need to make sure that you're healthy emotionally so that you can then give a little bit of your emotional wealth away. And then mm-hmm. after you give it away, you have to do it again, right? You have to fill that bucket up again. So we talk a lot about self-care. Wow. That's that's really um, intense mm-hmm. and Definitely. really supportive. Uh, having been through grief as a youth myself, mm-hmm. uh, when I was 18, my, my brother took his own life. I know how overwhelming it was for me because I, I wasn't really an adult yet. I, I was still in education. I was at university. I didn't have the mental preparation to understand what death was, um, the stigma that follows suicide. The, yeah. the, 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 you said it so nicely earlier, and you said that um, often you're, you're, you're sent away and you're not able to grieve because they're taking care of the parents, the, the right. community. Um, and it's that transition um, is, is really challenging. And because I didn't deal with that with my grief as a youth, I did find that it re- resurfaced um, many times um, in, in my, my, my life, um, which gave me a, a feeling of, well, the feelings were really overwhelming. I, I couldn't deal with them. Yeah. So, I really understand why it's so important to have that genuine support and have healthy tools and outlets so that the youth can be aided in understanding unfamiliar emotions. Absolutely. And not burying them like I did. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not uncommon. And, um, yeah. you know, that's why we need, everybody needs to have this training. Uh, you know, everybody needs to know how to just be supportive to someone at work, at home, at school, wherever you are. Yeah. So I didn't know this, but um, 5.2 million children experience a death by 18. That's a, that's that's a lot of children. Yeah, it's a lot of children. And yeah. that number actually uh, almost doubles by the time they're 25. So wow. that means that the likelihood that while someone's in college that will experience a death loss is pretty significant. Yes. The more that I listen to it, the more I appreciate how essential these services are for for the youths and going through grief and I guess for anyone going through grief but especially for for, for young people um, you know I mentioned earlier that when my son when his friend died and he wanted to go to counseling and the counseling center was full just a few days after college started already one of the goals really and like I said I am not uh, I'm not trying to take anybody's job away at the counseling center they have plenty to work with but my goal is really that kids who just need somebody to talk to, just a quick, you know, a check-in, a, um, you know, I need to just kind of like vent. Um, I'm really struggling and I need somebody who can listen to me. If we have people on, on campus that can do that, if they are other students or your resident assistant or your coach or your teacher, that will free up spaces in the counseling center for the kids that are really going through more acute, um, you know, significant uh, issues. So my goal is really not to get rid of the counseling center at all. It's really to make it more available to the kids that really need it. It's a very supportive um, framework that you offer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been fantastic to to find out uh, about your offerings, the, the organization, the services, um, really the breadth and depth of the service, because we, we probably as a society, as a community, don't understand the many challenges that students and the youth face. And you really created a program that penetrates deep into student life and, and youth life and, and supports them in all manners, allied to what's already offered. I just wonder if you could share, you probably have them in your show notes anyway, but just for our listeners, once again, where they can find you so they can research a little bit about you and your your social media handles. Yeah, it's uh, Inner Harbor on Facebook, Inner Harbor, I think it's College Grief Support, inner-harbor, dot uh, org on um, the website. My email is mzucker at inner-harbor.org. If you go to the website, all of that information is all on there. The phone number, all of the handles and everything, you can find me that way too. So it's probably the easiest way. It's been really interesting and um, inspiring to learn about the work you do and congratulations to you and, and, and keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you. It's been a pleasure, Shilpa, and I'm so glad that you were willing to do this for me. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Shilpa, for this interview. It was really great for me to be able to share a bit more about Inner Harbor with all of you. 
Next week on the podcast, um, I have a really interesting woman. Her name is Dr. Amy Novotny. She founded the PABR Institute, um, really with the mission of providing pain, stress, and anxiety relief to those who are seeking more of a naturalistic form of treatment. We talk about relieving stress and trauma from the body through posturing and breath work and making ourselves more available to do that when we're grieving. It's really an interesting conversation. We actually go through an exercise that you'll all be able to do with us as you listen to the podcast. So I hope that you find that interesting. I look forward to it. Thank you also to Stephen Bluestein for audio projection. That's all for today. Good morning to all of you.